1: Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury ebay gets it they're making sure the things you love are checked by experts and not just any experts specialized experts real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience so when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee shop with confidence every inch stitch Visit ebay.com for terms.
3: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, February 26th. Since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, video has emerged as the predominant medium for telling stories during Fashion Week, with many designers using short films to share their collections. But the fashion film is not new. It was an idea that was first popularized by the British photographer Nick Knight. Ten years ago, I had the opportunity to interview Nick for the 10th anniversary of Show Studio, his pioneering digital platform for fashion. Nick spoke passionately about film as the ideal medium for communicating fashion.
4: Clothes are designed to be seen in movement. So when a fashion designer, John Galliano, whoever creates a piece of clothing, it's to be seen in movement. So one can argue that... A still photograph of that piece of clothing is to some degree a compromise of the designer's original vision. I think fashion is actually very poorly served by the media. I think the media don't represent it well, especially here in Britain. I think it's either trivialized or scandalized. And the, the fashion world that I knew was a lot more exciting than that. Working with a designer like Yoji Yamamoto, you see a world which is quite incredible, quite poetic, and artistically super interesting. And I felt that that wasn't getting shown. So, really, to, all of Socio, or well, part of what Chaussure was to do, is to say, look, no, if I can have somewhere where I can talk about what I'm doing and show what I'm doing as I'm doing it, allow people into that world, then that's, you know, they'll get, A, a better understanding of the art of fashion or fashion as an art form, and B, they'll see that it's really exciting and really a very creative and very fulfilling medium. There's been such a s- massive sea change in the last 30 years I've been working. I mean, massive. And I think, really, it's a question that, when I started Show Studio, it felt a bit like being the first person in the sweet shop, um, that you just didn't know which way to turn and what to do next. And there's still a bit of that. There is so much to do and so many exciting projects to do. It's a bit hard to find the time to, to do them all. So it's really a question of, you know, these things will happen. We are in probably most of a thrilling times at the moment. I have three children, all in their teens. None of them read magazines. They're all on the internet know that's a clear sign to me that you know, fashion is going to totally change because it has to articulate through a new medium. It's been supported by print and very beautifully supported by print for the last 80 years, 100 years, 80 years, but now it's been supported by another medium and it will change and that medium will shape it in the same way that fashion photography was shaped by Vogue magazine and by print. So, you know, fashion film will be shaped by the internet and show studio and other websites who care to, who want to indulge in it.
3: But it took a global pandemic 10 years later for fashion film to really take hold in the industry. And now it seems like every fashion designer in the world is trying their hand at it. Creating a compelling fashion film isn't just about shooting a video. As it turns out, it requires a whole new level of artistry and creativity. And this season, a few fashion designers really stepped up their game and embraced the medium with gusto, telling deeply personal stories that reached a new level of creativity. In the case of Saul Nash, a fashion designer and choreographer, that meant creating a two minute and 22 second film, Twist, which incorporated his dance and movement led approach.
5: If you know anything about my previous work, it's always been about the liberation of, of men through movement. And it's quite self-reflectory. So a lot of my work looks at the references to men I grew up around in London. And that was really key in this work. It kind of reflects my own tensions, specifically around my sexuality. So, you know, there, there's this idea between what you see and the person who's underneath. The key for this film was to actually spread the message to not judge a book by its cover, actually. There's a lot of nuances and complexities, particularly around men that wear this kind of clothing. So I think the twist in the film was to to almost create a sense of tension throughout the whole film. Um, The audience wonder what's going to happen, is there actually going to be a fight? But no, it's a moment of love and beauty.
3: As a gay Black man. Twist was also Saul's opportunity to change perceptions.
5: I was walking to the station the other day and somebody held really tightly onto their handbag. But little did they know I was on my way to the Somerset house. So I think those kind of preconceived ideas still are pretty much alive in our society. So I really felt the need to tell this story in this film. My partner, FX Gobi, directed the film, and working with him is quite an organic process because he knows everything about my work. He knows everything about the backstory, but what's really beautiful is he brings a completely different take on it. He comes from Nice, in the south of France, and his experience as a filmmaker comes from a completely different place. So when it came to casting the men, I kind of gave him an idea idea of the energy that i wanted from the cast and i did a role play with each of them emotion was like the key word when it came to this film we didn't just want the music to kind of be a score which is illustrating the imagery which is going on it was really key that it was driving the story and we really wanted the audience to feel this sense of suspense right up until that moment when there's the kiss friend of mine, his his name is Control. Um, he created the school and he's He's also from London so I really felt that he he resonated with the theme itself and it was really beautiful to kind of have this contrast because it's also key that the music elevates the imagery and it doesn't put it back in a place of this is street and you know it's all about elevating the ideas and progressing them forward so I think his kind of orchestral touch to the film actually added another layer which yeah I couldn't thank him enough for that moment also is reflectory of kind of what I went through myself like with my friends for for many years like I was also a hip-hop dancer battling in dance battles and all my friends they always called me bro 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 and then there there was the shift or point where I introduced him to my boyfriend and seeing how they were accepting of it, that also touched me because I had one idea of how they'd receive it. So I think that, you know, that really taught me that perceptions are changing around sexuality. And I really hope that in the near future, it will kind of not even be a thing that comes into question.
3: For Roxanda Ilincic, this season was a moment to reflect on the state of the world with the specter of death all around us. It was her second season launching a collection without a fashion show.
6: The story was very connected to where we all are right now as as humans, as a society, and also as women kind of trapped in some sort of space in between, I would say. My last show in September, I also was not able to, obviously, like everybody else, have a regular fashion show. And I was kind of trying to find the ways, how can I stay relative and say things that are not just about the fashion, but use the platform to talk about things that are happening in society. With this movie, I wanted to continue that same story. It's almost like a second chapter. And again, stay within a home, stay within that kind of sacred environment to all of us, but also bring in a forefront all the sadness and melancholy and things of a passing youth and and maybe coming death and a darkness night coming towards us as well. However, I wanted to see all those hard things happening to all of us to slightly optimistic in an optimistic way that there is still beauty that we should experience and there is still good things that are about to come to us and I think that that positivity like kind of holding your daughter's hand or walking in a garden and and looking at a passing bird or looking at the you know raindrops or snowdrops on the ground I wanted to kind of focus particularly on those beautiful moments that maybe we are not able to see because we are being overshadowed by maybe uncertainty and not able to know what's going to happen to all of us.
3: Together with Roxanda, the actress Vanessa Redgrave and her daughter Jolie Richardson and granddaughter Daisy Bevan created a film in the English countryside mid-lockdown.
6: I can just say how absolutely honored I was to work with such an incredible family like Vanessa and uh, Jolie and Daisy. Obviously they are my friends and they did totally out of love for art and my work and you know artistry in general and I wanted them to kind of do things that they are normally doing in every day.
7: That time of year thou mayst in me behold. When yellow leaves, or none, or few, do hang upon those boughs, which shake against the cold.
6: They happen to be all together in in, uh, Jolie's country house in well here in England obviously and uh, it's something that wouldn't normally happen for such a long time but because of the lockdown they've been spending quite a lot of lot time together and I wanted them to literally just kind of tell me what they're doing how they're spending their days what are those very tender very gentle simple moments that they are doing during the days that we can bring into the movie and make it feel quite real authentic and something that is very much about them.
7: Bare ruined choirs. Where late the sweet birds sang. In me thou seest the twilight of such day. After sunset, fadeth in the west, which by and by black night doth take away, death's second self that seals up all in rest.
6: Simply, I wanted to make that movie so much and they wanted to help me out as well. And when we realized that actually the lockdown is not going to be lifted and that there is no way that we can put Vanessa in a danger of kind of having the crew... We decided that I will come there one Friday in February, which is the name of the movie. And I will just film together with them. We will be filming each other as we go along in all those kind of beautiful moments uh, throughout that one single day. And we had three iPhones and we've been just kind of literally filming each other. And that's the main footage of the movie. Obviously, not all the credit goes to me. I want to be clear about that because um, I had a wonderful support of director Linda Brownlee, who guided. Me through all of this remotely from Dublin because she obviously couldn't travel and couldn't come to join us. And um, me and Linda would have like endless conversation prior to that Friday in February. And she would tell me things like, uh, you have to hold iPhone horizontally and not vertically when you're filming, which is opposite of what we normally do. You know, you have to hold it with both hands, you know, many other little things that you wouldn't normally do or think about. And I practiced uh, like one afternoon and kind of thought that I finally got a grip of it, which luckily I did. And, you know, that day was just kind of really, really magical moment in my life, I would say something. I would definitely remember to rest of my life for sure.
7: This thou perceivest, which makes thy love more strong. To love that well, which thou must leave ere long.
3: And then there was Stephen Jones's tribute to all things French, something that makes eminent sense for someone who has spent so much of his career going back and forth between London and Paris.
1: Very initially, this was about a year ago. I re- I'm going to be doing a big event in France in a few years' time. And I thought I'd never really made a tribute to France. I'd never represented that in my hats. I mean, I think all of us in the fashion business, by osmosis, you know, we know that Paris, in a way, is sort of the centre of a particular sort of fashion. It's this huge magnet. But I'd never done anything which is really about my relationship with France and that love of French, the sort of French in the saiquois and love of French people, and and French lovers too because being Anglo-Saxon of course we look over the channel and we think well they know how to do it. <laughs> My French Kiss is a long story. I've always had a love affair with France always when I'm thinking of a theme for a collection it's never just plucked out of the air there's always a reason for it. I just seem to be thinking about France a lot. I remember one day I just sat down without any research in particular and just thought well what are the most ultimate French hats and in a way I designed the collection in five minutes. Are they kitsch? Yes. Do they fall into every trap of Frenchiness? Yes they do. Hopefully I've done it in a celebratory way and in a way which is unique and new, and essentially my own point of view as well. I'm sure that people have no idea how a hat is constructed. They don't know that we do sketches, that we do fittings. You know, they just imagine that, you know, you take something like this and pop it on your head. And sometimes that's actually the most genius hat. The the thing which is completely spontaneous that you don't think about, that you you do five minutes before the first girl goes onto the runway is the best thing you've ever done. You know, spontaneity is the essence of fashion, but there's a, it has to be balanced by a mythology and mythology as well. And it's a whole long process spread right over very many months. And there's fittings. And I just thought people would like to know about that. People are always, whenever people come into my studio, they're sort of fascinated. Oh my God, you do these blocks? I didn't realise there's so many processes. Well, you machine that together. Well, no, this is a three-dimensional solid object. How do you put it by a machine? Yeah. It's a whole world that people don't know about. So I wanted to share that too. When we were punks in 1976, I remember seeing Cocteau's La Belle and the Bat, or Les Enfants du Paradis. And this was a huge influence on us. Even though we might have been wearing ripped rubber trousers, that sort of perfumed world of beauty just was so exciting. It's the imagination of France and what France is about and what Paris is about, which is almost stronger than the reality. And I think for so many people around the world, the myth of France is, extraordinary and a real magnet. Once Paris has got you, there's no escape. In fashion, everything is about a reference. The things that we are looking at in these films is not only the colour in Roxanne, it's not only everything, you know, a bow has got a reference, an extension on the shoulder has got a reference. Putting a girl within the garden is an absolutely strong reference. Two guys coming together, that's all about the reference. Yes, what I was, was so fascinated about Saul's film, Yes, it was about the clothes, but actually it was more importantly about the characters that were wearing them, which is actually the thing that joins all our films together.
3: I asked the designers what they've learned about what makes a strong fashion film.
5: I think it is important to showcase the clothes, but what's really beautiful about fashion film is that it encompasses the world around the clothes. Like, often in a show, you are seeing the product and you can create a sense of fantasy in a show, but what's really beautiful about a film is that you can take the audience on the journey. So, you know, the scenery, you can actually give them an experience and evoke emotions of what you want them to feel um, from everything you've looked at surrounding your collection or... You, you can enable them to feel the reasons for why you created what
3: you created. Yeah. Roxander, what would you add to that? You know, what, 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 what makes a fashion film?
6: Well, I think like uh, all the movies, it's very important that movie has a certain story a narrative that obviously corresponds to clothes, uh, music that corresponds and lifts the clothes as well. But also for me, particularly for my clothes, I think it's very, very important that it has a certain emotions. I think the same type of emotions created in a different way that you would get from the show. Even that you can't see it, you would experience that emotion. And, and I think that that emotional connection is for me probably the most important
0: a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra
2: With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
3: Important. Stephen?
1: Well, it's funny, when I was thinking about this podcast, I actually thought, of course, about Nick Knight and Show Studio, which has been going more than 10 years. It's been going like 20 years. or It's incredible. I mean, he is a visionary uh, and what he created. What's the thing about fashion film? I think we're still in process of learning. If you see all the fashion films that came out a year ago, they're very, very different to what's happening now. Now we're learning how to do it. I'm so fascinated. I would love to ask, Roxander, do you feel actually this is a better representation of your clothes in this way rather than doing a fashion show?
6: That is an excellent question, Stephen, because I've been asking that question myself. I think I've been enjoying more making movies because you get a headspace, you had a time to really think deeply about it and the clothes is put in a context of the real life. So it's not just walking on the models like it's really there on Mm -hmm. the women with the world around it. However, I still feel that reach of the fashion show is at the moment greater than the reach of the movie. I kind of feel that shows with the audiences, with the international press, everything in their own full glory, how they used to be, would bring a little bit more to perception of the brand than what movies can at the moment but as you said, it is a process. We are still learning, we are still developing things. So it's very, very possible that they will take over, or there are certainly some brands will decide to continue only this way.
3: Mm. Saul, so you kind of you come from a a, a, a younger generation than the, the rest of us on this, <laughs> this conversation.
2: True. <laughs> and
3: and you're you've been making films about your collections for you know for some time now, almost since you started. You know, what, how do you think about a film versus a runway show? Because you did some runway shows with Fashion East.
5: Yeah, I think for, for me, film is kind of intrinsic to my practice because dance is such a crucial element of the garments. So I always have to show the way that they move. I think what, what's the difference is you can extend the audience to look at what you want them to look at over a longer period of time, I feel, with a film and you can really ask them to engage and look closer. I think in a show, it kind of comes and goes. And, you know, as much as you try to tell the story for a show, um, there's something about a film that can really captivate. You know, even someone singing on a podium in a film, um, in your garments, I I feel really can bring them alive a, a lot more for myself. So I think the two are very different, but, I think each have had a place in my brand thus far yeah like one really shows how they come alive and the other one is. um, it's more a performative element around the garments that it's like a happening that's what they call it in performance it's like a happening, whereas the other one is a kind of extended. um, narrative if, if that makes sense
3: yeah makes perfect sense, it also occurs to me. And Stephen, you'll know this from all the work that you do with Dior. There's certain brands that have these like massive budgets to do these huge you know, moments, um, as Saul was calling them, these create these like massive spectacles uh, in normal times. But during the time of COVID, in a way there's been a democratization of the presentation of collections because anyone can create an impactful film mm-hmm. like, like Roxanda did with three iPhones, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden a Dior show and a Roxanda show and a Sol Nash show can all be seen next to each other, basically on YouTube. And so it feels like a more democratic way for us to show collections. And you know, younger designers or smaller brands that don't have these massive budgets can still put something out that's incredibly impactful.
1: Yeah, totally. And you know, I make accessories which is just one part of the, it. it's extraordinary how that, how I can communicate in a broader way now through film, because I'm not doing a show. You know, the shows I do are the Dior ones, the Tom Brown ones, the Scaparelli ones, all of that. And that's how, that sort of excitement, I can experience that. However, I mean, if you, you, you talk about the fact that those big brands aren't doing such big things now if you looked at the Kim Jones's first Fendi show which was yes I mean that was a huge extravaganza um, yeah. which was yeah. incredible and beautiful but I think the, the thing about YouTube that you mentioned yeah we're all up there to be chosen which is much more like the customer's experience actually in a department store or in a big st- in multi-mark store because they've got a rail of Roxander next to a rail of Dior next to a rail of that so that the choice is much more even now than it was.
3: Yeah. Okay. So this is like the burning question, of course, you know, and you know, September is actually not that far away. It seems like at least here in the UK, the entire adult population uh, above the age of 18 will be vaccinated by the end of July. People are starting to finally turn a hopeful eye towards what would normally be Fashion Month in September? Have you have you thought about how you'll present your collections next season when when the option for doing a physical show is you know actually possible again? Maybe I will go to you first.
6: Definitely, I think I'm. I, I was thinking about it even before I presented uh, this beautiful short movie. It's very interesting, Imran, because I feel we are. Uh, not here by ourselves, we also depend on the rest of the world and particularly Europe. And we are not quite sure what is going to be happening in Europe at that time. So I uh, am taking quite pragmatic approach and I think that I will probably still show digitally or something smaller scaled in September. I'm not looking into presenting the collection again. So that is kind of my half balanced, optimistic, half pessimistic view.
3: Saul, what about you? Have you thought about next season yet? I think that uh, one thing this pandemic has kind
5: of taught me is to almost flow like water. Like you have a plan, but um, you always have to be prepared for what's coming in the next week. I would really, really love to kind of bring my dancers out again and do something physical in live because, um, you know, they're itching they're itching to perform. So I would love to do that again. But I think um, I'm also flexible. I always have a plan for if it has to be digital, what would that look like? And what would it look like in the physical? I think the kind of stimulus of the idea for the collection is most important for me going forward.
3: Flow like water, I love that. That's exactly (laughs) how we all have to be. Stephen. what about you? Have you thought about next season? Yeah,
1: I mean, I I think for as far as big shows are concerned, there'll be some big shows that will be on. But I would always think in London, yes, you could invite people to something like that. But do you want to take the moral responsibility as well? You know, yes, we can place people two metres apart. But suddenly, if somebody, and people contest, but it's not 100%. So I think caution is really, really important. But I don't know. I just want to carry on French kissing. Who wouldn't?
3: Okay, and with that, I will uh, bid you all adieu. Thank you so much for talking us through your films. In, a, in, you know, in this moment of difficulty and challenge and this ongoing third national lockdown in London, each of your films um, were really uplifting for me as I was experiencing this Digital London Fashion Week. And I'm super grateful that you've taken the time to share your stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. thank
1: you. Well, thank you, well that's Andrew. what fashion can do, okay. amazingly enough.
3: So what role might fashion films play in the fashion week of the future? Afterwards, I spoke to our editor-at-large, Tim Blanks, who covered the London collections for BOF this week, to see how he sees the fashion film medium evolving and how it stacks up against the traditional fashion show.
8: I guess, um, in, in, simply in terms of the medium, it requires more artistry. And uh, initially, we've seen a few seasons where people were trying this where where it was tentative and it was still, well, experimental in a way. This season, I think we saw it coming to a real fruition to the point where um, I, I, I almost feel it's a kind of preferable way of introducing a collection to an audience because it stays with you and you can go back and look at it again and... Uh, there's an emotional tug in the best of these films, which is, I mean, surprising. The sort of apogee of a physical fashion show was, was, was always that moment where if you could make people cry, you know, and then the handful of shows over the years where people cried were the ones that people remembered. And these films, if they get it right, they can do that every time. And, and I think... It's added an emotional level to the way fashion is viewed, which is, as I said, it's a surprise because you know there's a sort of utilitarian aspect to it. This is I can't show pe- I can't show people my clothes in a physical setting, so I have to offer them something else. How can I make it memorable? And so there are the people who do a film of a fashion show, models walking backwards and forwards in the clothes. And then there are people who go for mood. And as far as I'm concerned this season, the mood the mood merchants were the
3: memorable ones. Mm. So what do you think has changed, you know, in terms of the way these films are created and the impact they're able to have, you know, in, in the conversation with Roxanda and Steven and Saul, people were kind of saying, that you know, we, we've come a long way. We're kind of learning as an industry, how to use this medium. And in, you, in, your, in your view, how, how, how is that happening? What's changing?
8: I think r- realistically, everybody's been locked away from the conventional ways of doing things for long enough now that their brains are reordering themselves. The synapses are following different channels. Uh, the challenge is to find a way to show people what you've been working on. And I think that's a real cre- that's a creative challenge. I I mean, I mean, it's a pragmatic challenge, obviously, but it also is a creative challenge, and fashion is a creative industry. And what's changed is that people are finding and enjoying other ways to express their creativity. Uh, I think you saw that with, the, was, with those three people you mentioned, three very distinct films. Um, the Stephen Jones film was a baby documentary about the craft of his hat making but done so exquisitely. If you've ever looked at a Stephen Jones hat and wondered at the aerodynamic mastery of it, this film captured that and it was just exquisite. And so that was a sort of celebration of craft in the most beautifully crafted way. And then Roxanda's film was a sort of elevation of, of, of the way she, of, of her approach to design of who, of who she has in her head as a client, women and three generations of women Vanessa Redgrave uh, her daughter and her granddaughter who just happened because of lockdown to be in the same place this wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for lockdown and that was a beautiful poignant mood piece uh, romantic and uh, as a, an, an extension of of, of clothing but also a very complete little statement on on its own it's been an incredibly melancholic time for the world. And this film recognized that. It was Vanessa Redgrave reading Sonnet 73 by Shakespeare. It was, it's a very, I found it a very sad sonnet. At the end of that film, it was a celebration and it was a mel- melancholic recognition of where we've been, where we are. A sort of pregnant pause in a way, just, ex- uh, and again, exquisite. And then Saul Nash's film called Twist However long it was, two three minutes was just the most stunning. I mean, just a stunning piece of, of, of footage. The intelligence in that film, the 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 way it took preconceptions right off the bat. It took preconceptions about street gangs. It took preconceptions about sportswear, about the people who wear sportswear, you know, technical sportswear. I mean, and then just blew them out of the water in a very, in a, in a kind of romantic way, like uh, the, the notion that, well, lo- love will save the day, I suppose. Uh, and a, a, sexy,
3: it was and a sexy film. So
8: sexy, Yeah, so yeah. sexy. But the, the recognition of primal human connection at a time when we've not been able to be with other people. But, you know, people talk about storytelling and how how important storytelling was in fashion. Before the pandemic, there was you know, storytelling is critical. Storytelling is the way we're going to connect with our, with our audience. We have to be able to make our, we can make our clothes meaningful if we tell people a story that connects them with the clothing. Saul Nash's film was in that couple of minutes was the best piece of storytelling that I imagine I'll see this season. Uh, it was like Marine Sayre's movie last season, the, the French designer who's done something, done another film this season, which is thrilling game-changing, mind-blowing, and in a reflection, you asked about change, in a reflection of what's been happening, demands something of its audience, it's not passive, Sean Nash's film, Saul Nash's film wasn't passive, you know, something that's come out of the, out of this lockdown, out of the pandemic, is that people want to be part of something, we know that, we know that that's a sort of Pretty basic human instinct that people want and need to feel part of something. That's why conspiracy theories have just flourished in the in this situation. That the sense, the need to belong, is really strong, and that's something that fashion has always uh, has always played with. That, that that fashion is tribes. People talk about fashion tribes, and what we saw, I think. In those three films, and in their own ways, because they were they're very different, is draw the the, the drawing you in, drawing the audience in, feeling, being able to relate, being able to relate to Stevens' need to make hats, being able to relate to the three women in one family, finding comfort and. And support, you know, in each other's company, and then Saul Nash's: the world is not what you think it is. Yeah, the world is what you make it. And there's never been a greater need for that sense of resilience and that sense of surprise and that sense of life being worth living. And there's always something else around the corner. And uh, these messages. Uh, if, if If fashion was wrestling with the idea of relevance before all of this happened, these are ways to make fashion relevant again, to make it fit into people's hopes and dreams and whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm really I'm really very, very up on on what I've seen,
3: and I can't wait for everybody to see Marine Say's
8: new film either.
3: I want to take you back to a year ago.. Uh-huh. I think you and I were probably just arriving in Paris last year and we were worried about this coronavirus but i also remember having lots of conversations at, with you after the lockdowns began and you know you really were such a strong proponent of the physical fashion show dare yeah. i dare i say that you know this has changed your perspective this season yeah. i well i am a creature of habit
8: what can i say i'm a i'm a lazy creature of habit although I'm very, very open to challenge. And like I said, it's been a process. The first season without shows was designers wrestling with this notion. How do I do what I do? How do I do what I do? Uh, Also audiences missing. After doing this for as long as I've been doing it, you have friends that you only see that time of year and you see them quite often because I was You know, that that, that audience was moving around all the time. You see people all over the place. So there was a little bit of that. I didn't miss the traveling, to be honest. But sitting at my, sitting on my computer, trying to assess what was coming across the screen, it was slim pickings for a little while. There were a few people who instantly rose to the occasion and that was a germ of hope. Last season, I thought, wow, people are getting it right. And this season uh, we haven't, we haven't had Milan in Paris yet. Uh, there's another shift because obviously, like I said, human beings adjust and, and synapses reorganize, you know, the the, the brain starts to work in different ways. The challenge becomes more interesting, I think. And it's not, if, if it was if there was a sense that there was a stopgap before now it's not a stopgap now it is the thing itself and so i am now <laughs> i'm now a proponent of this approach because i'm a follower not a leader and if we never went back to fashion shows uh if we never went back to sitting in a room for eight minutes with people walking backwards and forwards in front of us and I'm speaking about the bare bones physical fashion show, I would say, well, dommage, but we had a good run on that. And now we have this new thrilling option. I can only imagine that other designers look look at these and think, wow, that's an opportunity. That's a
3: possibility. That's a challenge. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Tim. There's still a couple more fashion weeks to come but that's a really good uh summation of where we're at thus far in this season so um, i drank the kool-aid if you're not yet a bof professional member podcast listeners can benefit from a 25 discount on an annual membership using the code podcast pro that's podcast p-r-o
9: sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash bof all lowercase go to shopify.com slash bof to take your retail business to the next level today shopify.com slash bof
0: a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance